later. Well, good morning and welcome to New Life Church. Good to see everybody. Everybody well? Hanging in there for the most part? Trying to. I hear you. One day at a time, one step at a time. Uh, Summer vacation is officially over by now, um, and we are transitioning into that next phase, that new season for many of us who have still have the little ones at home and uh, going back to school. And uh, we're actually starting a new series today. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 will be our launching text today and for this series that I'll tell you about. This is a letter Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and we're going to start in verse 14. He says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. He says, I pray that from his glorious Unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. And your roots, everyone say roots. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Would you pray with me over this text? Lord, we thank you that you speak to us, that your word is written Your word is spoken, and today we ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to understand and to receive what you want to speak to each one of us today. Lord, guide us by your word, empower us by your word, strengthen us by your word, and Lord, let us see the results of your word being taken in and have great effect on us. We linger in this moment in your word today. Help me to deliver it in a way that's honorable to you and helpful to your people. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Amen. So we're starting a new series today over the next several weeks. It's, it's a back-to-church series that we have titled Rooted. You know, who or what we look to in our life will determine the outcome of our life. I recently saw a story um, about uh, some scientists who, who did an experiment. They took this little finch and put it in the, in the same cage as a python. And at first when they put this finch in this cage with this python, it, 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 as much as they could resemble the natural habitat of both, the finch was just going berserk, just going crazy, just flapping its wings and, and going nuts. And it it's instantly went to the exact opposite corner from where the python was, up into a tree branch, and the python remained on ground level. The scientists were observing both. The python made no movement throughout their testing until the very end. And the finch finally settled down. And over a little bit of time, they noticed that the finch never took its eyes off the python. And then over a little more time, the finch would jump a little bit down a branch or two, keeping its eyes on the python. Then a little bit time, a little more time would go by, and the finch would do the same thing, move a little bit closer down to the ground on another branch, keeping its eyes on the python the entire time. Then suddenly, after some time, it worked its way down to ground level where the python was, but never took its eyes off the python. Stayed on ground level for a little bit of time, 
looking intently at that python, never taking its eyes off the python. Well, little by little, the scientist noted that the finch made a few little steps closer and closer to the python, never taking its eyes off of it. It got so close, it stood right in front of its face. The python opened its mouth. The finch, never taking its eyes off the python, walked into the mouth of the python. Python closes its mouth, swallows the bird, and that's the end of his life. Never took its eyes off. Who or what we look to will determine the outcome of our life. May we not be like the finch. In this series, Rooted, we're going to look at some important things out of the Word as to what you and I should be fixing our eyes on and how we can fix our eyes on some of these important matters out of the Word. How we, We're going to look at talking about being rooted in the Word. We're going to look at talking about being rooted in worship. We're going to talk about being rooted in community. Brandon started our service this morning about family, that we're not just people in a room, but we are God's family, we are God's people, and we are together. And we're going to look at a few other things as this series travels on, on what we're called to be rooted in. Today we're going to look at being rooted in vision. That's the title of today's message, Rooted in Vision. Look at Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 2. I'll give you a second to get there. Isaiah chapter 2. This is, Isaiah was a prophet in around 700 B.C., 700 years before Christ. It was, he was in a time where it was the dark days of civil war between Judah and Israel. It was not a great time. There's a lot of conflict and strife going on. And you would notice throughout the history of the kings that it would go from one season of a king being who, who, would, who would follow the ways of the Lord. And then there would be another season of a king of Israel and Judah who would not follow the ways of the Lord. And there was this back and forth over the years. There was no real steadfast vision of leadership of what it meant to be constantly following and looking to the Lord, to trust him and Let's look at Isaiah's, one of his visions here in chapter 2. It says this in verse 1, This is a vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw this. He said, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. Verse 4, The Lord will mediate between nations, and he will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. In verse 5, come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah's vision was a vision that God gave him for God's people. It was a vision that said, let's make God the most central and most important part of our life. His vision was to make church the most important place in life. His vision was to make God's ways the most important way of life. His vision was to make God's word the most important voice in our life. And his vision was to make God's will the most important path that we take in life. That was the vision God gave Isaiah for God's people. Question for us, what kind of vision do we have, do you have today for your life, for the life of your family and your household? Here at New Life Church, we aim to make it our vision to aim at this, to make Jesus the center of our life, our church, and our communities. You know, Proverbs 29, the book of wisdom in verse 18, tells us in, a, in varying translations this here. That without a vision from God, our life will wander. It says we will stumble. That we would run wild without God's vision for our life. So what is our vision? Isaiah here is saying, people of God, listen. Listen, get God's vision for your life. Get God's vision to make Him the most central and most important part of your life. Get God's vision to make church the most important place in life. Get God's vision to make His Word the most important voice in your life. Get God's vision for your life to make God's ways the most important way of life. And get God's vision for your life to make God's will the most important path that you will travel in life. Saying, get a hold of God's vision for you, for your household, for your family. Over the next several weeks, we have an opportunity as a church to make God and in connecting with Him through various ways, through His Word, through worship, through fellowship and community, to make that the most important thing. And I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you over the next several Sundays and Wednesdays to make those the most important days of your week. I know I sound like a 1960s preacher saying that. But the vision Isaiah had was 700 years before Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. That they had been through seasons of some leadership of kings following the Lord and trusting the Lord. Some leadership of kings being evil in the sight of the Lord. They needed fresh, steadfast, clear vision. And I'm not suggesting we're not trusting or we are evil in our ways. What I'm suggesting is in a time of life where there's so many things and so many places and so many opportunities you and I are presented with to be a part of, Let's not forget to make Jesus the most central, the center of our life. And I want to encourage you and admonish you and challenge you to do that over these next several weeks. And what, what kind of, effect, of, of an effect would that happen, would that have on us if, if we were truly intently making that the most important thing? 
Over the course of this Back to Church series, we're going to have different challenges that we're going to present from God's Word, but it's also going to be a refreshing time that I believe God will instill in us a vision, instill in us some steadfast steps as we move ahead. Some of us are transitioning into college and moving. Some of us are transitioning into a higher grade in high school, maybe the senior year, some freshman year. Some of us parents are experiencing some of those things for the first time. Others of us, we don't have that to worry about. We don't have that. You've already been there, done that. And, but there are other things and other places that you and I will be stepping into this season. And so over the course of this series of Back to Church, we're talking about being rooted in some of the most important things that the Bible talks about. And I want to encourage us today, I want to leave us with three thoughts, three effects of if we will get a hold and be rooted in God's vision for our life, what it means to keep our eyes on Jesus, the effects of that. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. I've chosen the message version to set this up. Let's look at this. Hebrews 12, 1 out of the message says, the writer writes, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way. All these veterans cheering us on. You know, there are people who have gone before us who are cheering us on. Then there are people that are going to be in our wake who are waiting and depending on you and I today to make sure we have a vision, God's vision for our life. He says, get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat and no parasitic sins. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. Jesus, it said, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there. In the place of honor, right alongside God, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Three effects of having God's vision, being rooted in God's vision for our life. First one is this. When we're rooted in God's vision for our life, it makes me who I am created to be. It makes me who I am created to be. There, the writer writes at the beginning that we can run this race. There's no extra, he calls it no extra spiritual fat and no parasitic sins. You know, when I get God's vision for my life and I and we keep our eyes on Jesus, this is what He begins to free us. He begins to transform us. He begins to instill in us courage and strength and steadfastness and faithfulness. When we keep our eyes on Him and we get God's vision for our life, it opens up the opportunity for us to be who we were created to be. In Genesis 1, it tells us that in the beginning God created, that He created male and female in His image and in His Likeness, And Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 1 that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And so here's what it is. I am most like Christ when God is most glorified in my life. You and I are most like Jesus 
when God is most glorified in and through our life. When you and I get a vision, God's vision for our life, and we keep our eyes on Him, He becomes most glorified in us, and Christ becomes more visible through us. How about that? You want to be more like Jesus? It's not about always dotting the I's and crossing the T's and making sure you're just as good as you can be today. Or you can check off all the things you can check off for the Lord. It's about keeping your eyes on Him. The Bible tells us that though a righteous person may fall seven times, he shall get up again. He shall rise again. Because the days are long and the years seem short and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fall. We're going to do that. But what happens is, what, it, what, what ha- actually can determine the difference is what do we do? Do we stay down or do we get back up? Do we stay down or do we get back up? Those who keep their eyes on Jesus, I believe, get back up. We don't wallow in our self-pity. We don't let blame and shame and regret and condemnation take over us. We believe who we are in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That by the, Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of of God. And friend, I want to encourage you in that in this next season. You're going to, the, the enemy's going to tempt you to stay down. The enemy's going to tempt you to be holding on to your past. The enemy's going to tempt you to, to try to, you know, bring up all the mistakes that you've ever made in your life over, over whatever situation it could be. You name it. We all have weaknesses. We all have trigger points. But we've got to hold steadfast to God's word who tells us that in Christ Jesus, I am a new creation. My old life is gone and everything has become new. You wouldn't believe the amount of people, the amount of believers, the amount of Christians who struggle with past. Still. Still. You need to take hold of who you are. You are created to be like Christ. And you are most like Christ when he is most glorified in your life. When you get God's vision for you and keep your eyes on him, Christ becomes most visible in and through you. Here's another part, another effect of being rooted in God's vision. You guys with me? Being rooted in God's vision leads me to where I belong. Leads me to where I belong. The writer in Hebrews says that Jesus never lost sight of where he was headed. Never lost sight of where he was headed. You know, if I keep my eyes on Jesus, the one who's already finished the race, who never lost sight of where he was headed, man, don't you think he has the capability of leading me to where I need to be? It's all about who you keep your eyes on. It's all about who you follow. It's all about who you allow to have influence in your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It said he never lost sight of where he was headed. He knows where he was headed, and he knows where God wants to take our life. And if we will keep our eyes on him, he will actually get us to where we belong. Consider these words of wisdom out of Proverbs 3. Familiar to many of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And Proverbs 16, 9 tells us that we make plans, 
but it is the Lord who will determine and order our steps. And the prayer of David in Psalm 143, verse 10, he prayed, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. I know it's easier said than done, that we don't have to fear our future, that we don't have to fear where, where are we going to be, what should we do, where should we go, where do I, what do I need to be about today in this season of my life. You know, it was many years that went by before David was actually appointed king from the time he was first anointed to be king. A lot of time went by, a lot of hostility, a lot of hardship, a lot of perhaps a lot of doubt and a lot of wondering and a lot of wondering. God, are you sure you picked the right person? Are you sure it was me that you want? Because look at everything I'm having to go through and everything I'm having to deal with. <clears throat> the prayer that you and I can pray is the prayer of is God's word, Proverbs 3 and Psalm 143. Pray those, make that your prayer. Lord, I don't want to trust in my own understanding of what I think, of how I think I need to be or how my life needs to be or how my marriage needs to be or how my children need to be. Excuse me. But Lord, I want to trust you. I want to acknowledge you in every way of my life. Come on, let's just be real. Some of us are real hard-headed. Some of us are real hard-headed. And some of us like doing things our way because we've been doing things our way for so long, right? And we really believe in our way. If we didn't believe in our way, we wouldn't be wanting to do it our way. Right? But sometimes our way is not always the God way. And we need to learn and make sure that in this season of life, wherever we might find ourselves, is to be honest with ourselves. And to just kind of get a little real and to be willing to just kind of let, 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 let it fall to the side. Let our pride go to the side and just ask the Lord, Lord, I know I've been doing life this way and I've been going about making decisions this way. But maybe you just might have a better way than the way I've been doing it, the way I've been approaching it, the way I've been going about it. That I'm asking you, help me not to trust in my way but to acknowledge you in my life. Jesus may be first. You may love him more than anything. But, we're all, but we may also be a whole lot in love with our opinion. Let's not love our opinion more than we love God's purpose and direction for our life. Amen? Pray that prayer that David prayed. Teach me to do your will. That might mean some uncomfortable moments because that means we might all have to unlearn some things and learn some things about ourselves that weren't that great. But letting God guide and lead, keeping our eyes on Jesus, having ourselves rooted in a vision, God's vision for our life, it means that, man, I let the Lord take me and get me to where I need to be. I'm not talking about necessarily all the natural things in life. 
you know, it could apply to a lot of practical places of what you do, where you work, where you go to school. But I'm talking about in general, in our heart. God always deals with our heart. God always deals with our heart. God always deals with our heart. In fact, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Right? Let's, let's be bold enough, humble enough in this season to ask God, take me where you want me to be. Guide me and get me to where you believe I belong in this world, in this place, in my relationships, in my career, whatever it is. And lastly, being rooted in God's vision has the effect of holding my life together. The writer of Hebrews says Jesus could put up with anything. Man, I would, wouldn't, you like, and I, wouldn't you want to be able to put up with just anything where nothing got on your nerves? I mean, nothing got you down. Nothing got, got you riled up in a bad way. Nothing crossed you in the wrong way. I mean, just, he could put up with anything. It said cross and shame, and then it just, whatever. And I know it's like, well, that's Jesus, of course. He had to do that in order to be the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world and who takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. Listen to what the writer says in Colossians 1. Paul says, Christ existed before anything else. And it said, he holds all creation together. Say, that's me. Say that. Say, that's me. Come on, say that out loud. That's me. He holds all creation together. He holds us together. When we get God's vision, when we're rooted in God's vision for our life and we can keep our eyes on Jesus, we find that he holds our life together. No matter what we go through and no matter what we deal with, no matter what where our feet pass, he holds our life together. I want him to hold my life together. Because there are a lot of moments, there's lots of days and seasons, man, where, where the glue I, I was putting on it was not sticking anymore. You ever used the wrong adhesive for something? Thought maybe super glue would work, and it didn't. Thought maybe hot glue would work, and it didn't. Or the good old duct tape, and it sure didn't, it didn't hold. It might have been temporary. Having the right adhesive in our life what will hold our inner world together regardless of what our outer world is dealing with. I want to be that kind of person that man, where my inner world is held tight regardless of what my outer world is facing. Jesus, getting rooted in a vision, God's vision, making him and keeping him the center is what will hold our life together. The story I've read a few times. <clears throat> Bear with me on this story. 
It's about a brand new pastor and their his wife who were newly assigned to their first ministry job to reopen a church in suburban Brooklyn. They arrived in early October excited about their opportunity when they saw their church. They saw it was very run down and it needed a lot of work. Well, they set a goal to have everything done in time by Christmas Eve. They worked hard, repaired the pews, plastered the walls, painting, all these things. And on December the 18th, they were ahead of schedule and they were just about finished. But the next day on December 19th, a terrible rainstorm came through. It hit the area and it lasted for two days. It's a true story. On the 21st, the pastor goes over to check on the church. His heart just sank as he saw that the roof had leaked. Causing a large area of plaster, about 20 feet by 8 feet, to fall off the front wall of the sanctuary just behind the pulpit, beginning at about head high. Well, the pastor began to clean up the mess on the floor, not knowing what else to do. He thought, well, we're just going to have to postpone our Christmas Eve service. Well, he began, he left, and on the way, he he looked out and he noticed there was this local business having a flea market type sale for charity, so he stopped in. One of the items was a beautiful handmade ivory-colored crochet tablecloth that was full of exquisite work in fine colors with a cross embroidered right in the center. It was just the right size, get this, to cover the hole on the wall. So he bought it. He headed back to church. As he was going, he noticed an older lady who was standing outside. And by this time, it began to snow. He found out she missed the bus. So he invited her to come inside the church where it was warm to wait for the next bus 45 minutes later. She sat in the pew, not paying any attention to what the pastor was doing. He got a ladder and some other things to begin to hang the tablecloth as a wall tapestry. He finished. He could hardly believe how beautiful it looked. It covered up the entire problem area. Then he noticed this woman began to walk down the center aisle of the church. Her face was like a sheet. Pastor, she asked, where did you get that tablecloth? Well, he explained it to her, and the woman asked him to check the lower right corner to see if the initials EBG were there. They would have been crocheted there. He looked. Those initials EBG were crocheted in the right corner. This woman had made this tablecloth 35 years earlier in Austria. She could hardly believe it. She could hardly believe how this pastor had gotten the tablecloth just minutes late earlier. She explained to him that before the war, she and her husband were well-to-do people in Austria. The Nazis came in, forced them to leave. Her husband was going to follow her the next week, but he was captured, sent to prison. And she never saw her husband or her home again. Well, by that time, the pastor was like, well, I need to give you this tablecloth back. That's the least I can do. And she's like, no, you've got to keep it for your church. And the pastor was like, well, can I at least drive you home? She lived on the other side of Staten Island, and she was only in Brooklyn for the day for a house cleaning job. So he dropped her off. Christmas Eve came around. 
they had the most beautiful service. The spirit was great. The church was full. The message was right on, on it. Everything was great. And at the end of the service, the pastor and his wife were standing at the back greeting and everyone as they left. A lot of people were saying they were going to come back. And the pastor turned to notice an older man sitting in the pew, just kind of staring at the front wall. And he was wondering, why, why wasn't he leaving? The man asked the pastor, where did you get that tablecloth on the front wall? Because it looks identical to the one my wife made many years ago when we lived in Austria before the war. Well, he told him about it. And this man said the same story that the wife said. Hey, we were well-to-do. My wife made this tablecloth. The Nazis came in. I was going to join my wife a week later, but I became a prisoner, and I never saw her or our home again over 35 years. So the pastor's like, would you like to take a drive? So he took this older man to Staten Island, to the same house where the pastor had taken the woman just a few days earlier. He helped the man climb the three flights of stairs to the woman's apartment, and when she opened the door, the rest is history. Church, when we get a vision, God's vision for our life, He not only holds our life together and keeps it together, but He goes to work on the inside of us. And He makes changes. He renovates and knocks down walls, puts up brand new centerpieces in our heart. And He makes me who I'm created to be. I was created. You and I were created in the image of our creator. But Jesus is the only one who can make that happen. I'm going to invite you to stand. Our children have rejoined us. This season, let's make the decision and the choice to root down even deeper than we have before by first fixing our eyes and getting a vision that God has for our life, which is to keep and make Jesus the center. You've got your family there with you. If you are here and you, you're not sitting next to anybody that you really know, I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray this prayer, Paul's prayer out of Ephesians 3 over us, and then we're going to close with this song, Jesus at the Center. But I'm going to ask you, moms and dads, you've got your kids next to you, rather how, however old they may be, I want you just to guys to get together hand in hand. Just stretch from hand to hand. If you're here by yourself, find another person in the body of Christ here today, another brother if you're a male, another sister if you're a female just grab hands and I want to pray Paul's prayer Ephesians 3, 14 through 20 over us today and as I pray this 
May our hearts be in agreement with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us this season. Oh, Lord, we pray today. Thank you, Lord God, that you are the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And today I pray, Lord, from your glorious, unlimited resources, of which there's no end, that you would empower your people with inner strength today through your spirit. So that Christ, you will make your home in each and every one of our hearts. And we can really trust you. That our roots, O Lord, will grow down into your love and keep us strong and not weak. I pray today, God, that we would have the power to understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep your love is. May we truly experience the love of Christ, though it is often too great to truly, fully understand. Father, make us complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from you. It doesn't come from our exhausted schedule of work and play and do and go. It comes from you. It doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from you. May all the glory go to you, who is able, through your mighty power that's at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might even ask or think today. All glory to you through this church and in Christ Jesus and through each generation represented here today forever and ever, we pray in the name of the Lord. Amen.